Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. What's my story? In 2007, I was divorced, in debt, stuck in a soul-sucking job, desperate to have a meaningful, fulfilling life, but not sure where to begin. I made a simple choice at the time, to start honoring my yes and to start speaking my no. Consequences be damned. After all, how could my life possibly get any worse? I began the long path of becoming a professional songwriter, finding my fearless voice along the way. Now, I'm living my dream life as a husband, father, and professional storyteller. As a book coach, speaker, and author of more than 50 nonfiction books, Honoré Quarter understands the power of words. She didn't start out planning to write books. She was hustling to build a sustainable business coaching practice when a mentor figure told her, and I'm paraphrasing here, you have to write a book if you want to differentiate yourself and stand out. That message resonated with Honoré, and 15 plus years later, she's enjoyed a lot of unexpected successes along the way. Here's a couple highlights. Her single mom series has sold over 500,000 copies. She's also collaborated on several Miracle Morning books with Hal Alrod. But for Honoré, success isn't about the sales. It's about fulfillment, and lately, it's especially about the fun. To hear more about that, be sure to listen to today's episode of the Fearless Storyteller podcast. Well, Honoré Quarter, it's a wolf. welcome to the Fearless Storyteller. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be with you. Yeah, likewise. And we were just talking before I hit record about the tornadoes in Nashville and, and all that. And sounds like you're okay. I have a lot of gratitude for that. I am okay. And I have a, a ton of gratitude. Yes. Yes. All of the gratitude possible. Yes. I have a lot of friends and old community in that area of the country and yeah, this is the time of year. Serendipity. Yes, I've heard that. I've heard that. Yes. Yeah. So for people who don't know who you are, Honoré, um, what would you like to say about yourself? <laughs> who am I? Um, well, I'm a, a wife and a mom and a dog mom and a cat mom. So we'll start with that. Hmm. And to, to feed all of these creatures, <laughs> great and small, um, I'm a writer. Hmm. I write books. I write nonfiction books and I'm writing a fiction book and I help people to become authors and to create empires that support them and their people and furries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So like, like how does that happen? How do you become an author? Ooh. Um, well, how does anyone become an author or how did I become an author? Well, just, just so you. Yeah. 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 Um, I became an author because I was a business coach and a speaker and I met Mark Victor Hansen. And when he asked me what I did, I told him and he was thoroughly unimpressed mm -hmm. with that and said that 
that was no big deal and everyone did that. And to differentiate myself, I needed to become an author. I needed to write a book. Hmm. And how did you feel when you got that feedback? <laughs> I just thought, um, okay, Mark, no problem. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I had no idea. I, I, le- I legitimately had no idea that that one simple brief moment in time was going to change the trajectory of my life, my career, mm. my impact. And it's been a, a, a cause of thoughtfulness for me many mm. times mm. because I, I just had a conversation with someone who said, well, I had a teacher who told me I would never amount to anything. Mm. And he said that fueled me and it caused me to prove that I could. Yeah. But I think that words are very powerful. And I think that that was dangerous. In his case, it happened to work out, but it's very dangerous. Yeah. Or, or could be, I mean, dangerous isn't the right word, but it heartbreaking. Yeah. The word that works. That yeah. whatever you, when you have a conversation with someone, it might mean nothing to you. I don't think Mark Victor Hansen could recall that conversation if someone pointed it out to him. Right. He probably, <laughs> showed him probably a video says that of it. to people. A he few probably times. says that to people all the time and has no recollection of meeting me or having that conversation with me. Mm. That conversation was pivotal to me. My whole point mm. being mm. be careful with your words, be thoughtful with your words, be intentional mm. with your words because your words could live in someone's mind and in their life for the whole rest of their life, even if you have no recollection of it. And I've been on the other side of that where someone said, Oh, Mm. you said this to me and I took it to heart. Mm. Oh my gosh. I do not remember that. Mm. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, it's possible he might not remember specifically telling you that, but I'm, I imagine, you know, not being him, that it must be heartening to see somebody take action on that. Well, I would hope so. Yeah, It's heartening for me when I see people take action on things that I suggest to them. I think it's great. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Does it happen as often as you hope? Actually, I don't hope that it happens. I just Mm. am right. I'm not sitting there going, boy, I really hope this, you know, I, I hope I'm the person that changes their life. I just would like for any time I have a conversation Hmm. for it to be positive, impactful, and those sorts of things. That's just yeah. my intention with everything that I say. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I know that coaching is often more powerful if the coach isn't as or more invested in the outcome than the person. Yes, right? yes, like correct. It tends to color the conversation a little bit. Yes. Yeah, and... So the writing journey, here you are, 50 plus books, whatever. And obviously it was just easy, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I never even broke a nail, let alone a sweat. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. Every moment. Um, you know what? Every, um, I learn something with every book. I learn something about myself. I learn something about writing. Mm. Yeah. Do you remember what your first one was? My first book? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Um, the, so, I, so it technically is not counted in the books because it was so bad I redid it. Mm. Um, but it is now tall order. Organize your life and double your success in half the time. 
Mm. And what was like the intention like for you? Like, obviously you had advice, like you should do this to differentiate yourself, but. Sure. So that book was a presentation that I gave to market my speaking business. Mm -hmm. So that was probably pretty easy to organize. I'm sorry. Yeah. To market my coaching business. Yeah. So I was speaking to market my coaching business and Mark said in his advice to me, is there a speech you've given? Because I'm like, I don't know what I write about. I'm not a writer. Mm. Is there a speech you've given that um, people like, that you've given a number of times that people like? Yes, I have. Okay, write that down. That's your book. Mm. That was really great advice. It was very simple, but I was able to take it and make it into something. However, I found that when I say to people, do you have something that you say over and over advice that you give over and over. Yes, I do write that down, but mm. that somehow there's a disconnect. I must explain more. <laughs> mm. It's not quite that simple. Somehow I was able to convert it. Yeah. But some people are not, they need more, more information, Yeah, which is totally fine. Yeah. yeah. And so for people listening who maybe are thinking, uh, never really thought about writing a nonfiction book. Um, but like, and I don't, what is that gap? Like, how do I see that through? Um, well, you're, it's a big question, yeah. right? Like, um, I think most people, not everyone, could write a book that would be beneficial to them and to all who read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some thoughts around quality mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and ensuring that the book meets a standard that would cause someone to read it rather than dismiss it and the author. I see that mm. quite a bit mm-hmm. when someone is in a rush or oh, I was in a hurry. So I didn't bother to get a good book cover, get editing, that, those right. sorts of things. That's, that's disheartening because um, they, they don't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. Like, I don't really care about the book. It's not about the book. It's about the business. The book gets me, but the book doesn't get you business if it isn't. Yeah. done professionally so there's a there's some of that um do you think it's because like typically they're in a hurry or that they don't actually believe that it's really going to succeed so why bother putting all the time and money more the former than the latter more the hmm. former than the latter i think that they think it doesn't matter if i'm not putting it out on amazon if i'm just passing it out to people who know me then hmm. they'll know that i do quality work other than this book that i'm giving them hmm which is not true, Mm. right? People really do judge a book by its cover and they really do judge an author by their book cover. Right. I had this very conversation with someone today. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But we were in a hurry. We needed to get it done. And I said that in, in so doing, I mean, if, if you're asking and you're paying that I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth and I don't like to be the bearer of bad news. What I want to say is your book is amazing. Your book cover is amazing. Your bio is amazing. Your copywriting is incredible. I couldn't put the book down. It was amazing. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. However, back at whatactuallyhappens.com, um, a lot of times I'm not able to do that because that isn't the case. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, how did you, like how long did it take you to learn those lessons? <laughs> oh, a, a number of books 
Definitely. Um, my first, so my first book that had the awful title that is now Tall Order, I actually showed it to Jeffrey Gedimer, who is a friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, and very famous author. Hmm. And I had quoted him in the book. I was excited to show it to him. And he said, um, you, you, you're a good writer. This is good writing. And this book is, insert, not safe for work word here. Mm-hmm. Starts with an S. And so you need to redo it. Hmm. And I did not hear, you are blank. I heard this is blank. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Which some people do not hear. Sometimes people hear this thing that you created is terrible. Therefore, I must be terrible. Right. As opposed to, well, the thing I created wasn't as if Harper Collins published it, but I'm not Harper Collins. I don't know what they know. Hmm. I was able to differentiate myself from the book. Yeah, that's that's and, definitely helpful. <laughs> and I was open to feedback. Yeah. And, and I was open to feedback. I was like, okay, great. Well, then tell me how I do that because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So in my experience, you're either open, like I'm either open to feedback um, if I've learned kind of how to mm-hmm. take feedback, mm-hmm. and, right, with support and the hard way, or I'm just really desperate, right? Like there's an urgent need. <laughs> right. I'll do anything to get it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I should ask because anybody listening, we all struggle with taking feedback, even if we've been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. So, so is there like, how do you get through like that feedback phase with your work? Oh, I don't know that I've ever gotten through it. <laughs> I still get feedback. Yeah. I still do. Of course. Yeah. I, and I, and I like it. Mm. I don't have to agree with someone's feedback in order to be open to listen to it and to question whether someone could be right. Yeah. I think there's a certain amount of self-awareness that's helpful Mm. in life in general. Yeah. And then being open to saying, I I did this with a girlfriend the other day. She was talking to me about something and I was like, well, you, you should think of it like this. And then I went on and shared my advice. And then later I was like, well, that sounded awful on Like, it sounded arrogant and horrible. And so I called her and I was like, I owe you an apology because this is how I meant that. But this is what I said. And it came across like this. And she's like, I love how self-aware you are. She's like, I remember thinking at the time, mm. that's not what she's meaning. Which is one of my best friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it it's takes nice that you have that relationship. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, well, but I do that with, I do that with everyone. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, I, I, I try to be very, self-aware and direct, but also um, empathetic. Yeah. Empathetic. Yeah. What's so, the one? So I guess, <laughs> Which one I guess, is it? Which athletic is it? <laughs> right. Yeah. All of them. I'm all the apathetics, all the athletics or however. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I guess when people get advice, right. Or feedback, the filter that matters perhaps is, what was my intention with what I'm getting feedback on. Yes. And the other side of the coin is I know from Nashville, where I learned this from uh, Angela Cassett, um, when she was giving me feedback critique on my own work, she said, when I'm 
giving feedback. I'm, I'm all critiques. We're telling you how we would do it. And that was mm-hmm. really helpful distinction for me. Because mm-hmm. then if I'm getting advice from somebody whose intentions aren't aligned with my own, then maybe that's permission to ignore the feedback. Right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. And it also is, you know, what is the what is the intention? What is the perspective of the person? Yeah. Are they on your, are they on your team? Yeah. Cause if I'm, it depends on my agenda. If I have one, sometimes people have an agenda. I remember, um, going to a writer's conference and I have the successful single mom book series. And mm. I think the book covers are great. The books have sold half a million copies total. Mm-hmm all mm. of them, which is, mm. those are good numbers. Yeah. Right? That's a good number. You have data. <laughs> I have data. Yeah. And I think at the time I had only sold about 200,000 copies of the series. <laughs> and I, well, but this is serious. And I yeah. had talked to another author who was in the single mom space mm. and she said, Oh, those book covers are dated and parochial and you should get them updated. And I was like, really? Mm. Huh? I'm going to this writer's conference. So let me pull some of my colleagues who I respect. And they were just like, Oh, we think she might be a little jealous. Mm. <laughs> we think she might be wanting you to get rid of your books so that she could take over. And that had never even occurred to me because that is not my perspective. Yeah. I always believe if someone is successful, that means that success is possible. That's my, that's my yeah. lens. Yeah. And so it never even occurred to me that there was any of that going on. Right. But I was able to pull back and then recognize that there were some other things that were happening there that made that seem logical. Mm. And I mm. went, huh. So not always does someone give feedback from in the spirit of, I truly genuinely love you and want you to be successful. Yeah. Sometimes people give feedback from a different perspective that isn't so lovely. Yeah. I know there's like for people that I've coached who are thinking about starting to be more creative and playful, that there's this misconception maybe that if it's been quote unquote done before, that my idea doesn't have value. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Well, I, I don't think anything has been done before by you. Mm. So I was, my whole, uh, my answer to that, whenever someone says, well, who am I to write a book? Mm. Like, well, even if there's a, a, there have been 4 million books on marketing that have been written and they've all been wonderful. If you haven't written your book on marketing, then your book on marketing has not been written. Your perspective, your education, your experience. Mm. Yeah. Your, all of those things come together in your writing. And I believe that we have people who need to hear what we have to say in only the way that we can say it. Right. So if you don't write your book or you don't create whatever it is that you want to create, then someone is going to miss out on being positively impacted by it. Kind yeah. of a bummer all the way around. Yeah. That, that's, I believe that. And Maybe the that word imposter syndrome pops up for some people, right? And, yes, yes, and, and yet, and yet, and yet. Well, I just I go back to 
whenever someone, you know, I see memes, I, I have a, a writer's community in Facebook. So mm-hmm. I post these little memes every morning, these little photos, just kind of as a funny to, to keep people going. And one of them was, you know, if you ever feel like your idea doesn't have value, you know, just remember somebody had a movie about sharks and tornadoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. Somebody, somebody yeah. millions of dollars with a pool noodle. So like, you're probably fine. Yeah. Yeah. Probably fine. Keep writing. <laughs> I, I think it's a great time to be an author or to have a voice yeah. just because you, people can actually find you now. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's the first question everyone asks too, right? Where, do you have a book? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a book? Oh, you don't have a book yet. All right. Well, let me know. Someone yeah. legitimately asked me, I was referring them to someone and they said, well, does she have a book? Is there something I can read? <laughs> it's like, why? Yes. Well, no, she doesn't. Oh, she, oh that your was client. The thing. No, yeah. she's, she's actually, I'm her client. Okay. And I, <laughs> I was like, um, so I know you think that this is self-serving, but mm. they literally asked me if you had a book. Mm. That was <laughs> the first question. Not a setup. It's not a setup. It was really a legit question. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And so you had a TED Talk called authenticity is the new black yes and so authenticity is one of my favorite words so i'm curious what your take is my favorite words yeah yeah so what is authenticity i think authenticity is just being unabashedly unapologetically yourself with Mm. the elements of kindness, compassion, and caring thrown in. Yeah. Because sometimes people are unabashedly and authentically jerks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? They yeah. think, oh, I'm going to be authentically myself, and I don't like anybody, so I'm going to let them know. Well, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Is Introducing it? my new TED Talk, authenticity doesn't work. Correct. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, it, it, there has to be an element of, in my opinion, and I'm just one person, I believe that as we move about the world, having compassion hmm. for others. And I was telling my daughter that we go to church, we go to the evening service. There, there are a couple of families that come and their children run amok and they're yelling the whole time and it doesn't seem to be appropriate. Mm. And I said to my daughter, I was like, okay, well, first of all, we're in church where there's supposed to be no judgment. Let's start with that. Right. I said, but years ago, I heard about a guy who was on the subway and his kids were just being crazy on the subway and disrupting other passengers. And someone called him out on it and he said, I'm so sorry. Um, My kids just lost their mother. We're going home from her funeral. Mm. And it just added a different dimension of perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I think someone is just letting their kids run amok because they don't care, I'm less compassionate and understanding than if I think, gosh, maybe they're just going through something and let me give them a break. It's like yeah. when when I'm driving and someone is driving erratically or in a hurry, I, I try not to believe that they're a jerk. I try just to think, I hope they're not on their way to, to see someone before they die. Mm. Right? I mean, it's like, I just put a little bit of perspective on it. 
So I think authenticity, back to your original question, your authenticity is being your authentic self as soon as possible, if not all the time in every situation so that the right people are attracted to you Mm. as you are. And the, you know, the people that are for your highest and best good. Right. Mm. And when I say right people, I don't mean they're wrong people. (laughs) I just mean like your people, when you go, Oh, these are my people. I found my people, right. The right people are like, Oh my gosh, you are my people. And the people who are not your people can go away. The challenge that I find is that people are who they think they should be and they get in relationships with people or they try to get in relationship with people they don't like or they don't respect or they don't care about for whatever mm. reason and then ultimately you can't sustain that forever so when the the mask comes off or the veneer comes down or you just can't hold it together anymore and someone yeah. realizes well, I don't really like you. It's like, well, if I would have just been myself in the first place, you could have discovered you didn't like me a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Saving us both a lot of time, energy enough. Yeah. And I imagine from like if we're talking about a coach business or some other right business where your book was to help you build authority mm-hmm. and relevance that if you're drawing the wrong people, you may not actually have as much value to the people you're drawing than you would to the people who are really aligned for you. Correct. Yeah. So that would kind of be a ceiling, glass ceiling on your business. Yes. It's a glass ceiling on everything. Yeah. As, as long as you, as long as you and the, the royal you, the, you know, the, all of you, um, as long as you are posturing, Hmm. it's going to, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Just relax, have a good time. Yeah. And people are attracted to that level of authenticity. You always know what you're going to get. Yeah. Although I suppose if you're in a hurry, right, you're looking for something you can reproduce, success you can reproduce. And how can you reproduce something you haven't done? Right. right. If you're in a hurry, there's that in a hurry thing again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Try not being in a hurry and see what happens. Well, that's, it could be challenging. There might be some cultural programming there possibly. Mm, yes. I've heard that too. So you have a book called uh, stop trying. So effing hard. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Does that have anything to do with being in a hurry? Or forcing oh, it things. has to do with everything we've talked about so far. Yeah. So that message started with authenticity as the new black and got more brazen as time mm. went on. And as I watched, um, I watch people get themselves into a position of authority mm. and in a place of having a platform. Mm-hmm. And the followers have no idea how close to the edge they're actually living Mm. how Mm. close to um moral bankruptcy financial Mm. bankruptcy spiritual bankruptcy physical bankruptcy however those things are defined and decided yeah and i happen to have a line of sight into a lot of people who have big platforms and who are also struggling very close to the edge and their followers think that they're just the cat's meow and that they're failing because they're not living the same 
life, except that they're comparing someone else's filtered, you know, mm-hmm. Instagram filtered, perfect lighting, BS picture. Yeah. To their actual reality. Yeah. And beating themselves up for it. Yeah. And that my book was my, the answer to, you know, if you're having to, to make it happen, you're trying too hard. Stop mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So maybe <laughs> this was more relevant early in your career as, from a personal standpoint, but if you have to slow down or you choose to slow down and you choose to embrace that message, yes, that means you're probably not going to be on a track to be able to leave everything else behind and make this like you're living right away. So like, how do you authentically and self-compassionately deal with that and still have time and energy to build your business? So ask that that question a different way. I'm not sure I understand what you're asking. So if you have to slow down and you know, maybe the desperation part of it is I have to make all my bills on this business and I don't have a business yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if I acknowledge I have to slow down, that means I'm going to have to work a part-time job or have a day job. Right. Sure. In which case I'm going to have less time, energy and capacity to build my business. Right. Sure. And, Perhaps. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. So how and do you, then, well, I mean, here's the advice. I get this all the time because I have a mastermind called empire builders and all the time people are saying to me, okay, is now the time for me to leave my job? Mm. <laughs> is mm-hmm. now the time? Is it when, when do I know? Right. And I use the 150% rule. What's it's like that? When you are making 150% of what you need, Mm. to live from your side hustle, then your side hustle can become your main hustle. Right. So continue your main hustle and build your side hustle. And there's the word hustle in there, yeah. but there isn't the word die. <laughs> right? It's yeah. just a hustle. You're just, you're just spending some of your extra time. And if people really got clear on how they were spending their time, yeah. they would recognize they have more time than they think they do. Mm. You look at someone who's really productive and go, how are they really productive? Well, maybe they're not on Facebook. Mm. Maybe they're not Netflix binging as often as you are. Mm. Maybe, just maybe, right? Like I write three to 10 books a year on an hour a day. So just maybe mm. there's some, an opportunity for being more intentional and purposeful with your time. No judgment, just asking a question. Yeah. So I say, have some money in reserves. Make sure you're not so close to the edge that, you know, if there's a world crisis going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you, <laughs> that you're freaking out. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, it's, yeah. just, it's just an option. You can just continue to freak just, out and worry. I'm, uh, just, I'm, just, I'm just throwing an idea out there, kids, right? Not mm. that my way is the only way, but there might be a way. That doesn't require you to make yourself sick or broke. 
So, yeah. and also when you are getting advice from someone, make sure that, that that someone has the right to give you that advice. Mm. All the time I see, I saw something in my Facebook feed the other day where someone was saying, you know, become a best-selling author. And so I was like, oh, who is this person doing author coaching? Let me go check her out because I need other people on my bench I can refer to. Yeah. No books published under this person's name. Mm. <laughs> I was like, how do they know what to say? Yeah. <laughs> does raise a question does raise a question right yeah. i i don't know i was talking to a guy the other day and he said why should i hire you versus this other person and i said i don't know find out if they've written as many books and sold as many books as i have if they haven't yeah. maybe come back to me i don't know i'm just saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> only you can decide yeah and i think that's fair and yes I, and there's nothing wrong with taking a little bit more time to do something Mm. While keeping your nap schedule, mm. right? Like, yeah, yeah. There's not, there's nothing to say if it took you an extra six months. So what? It's going to take longer than you think. Whatever you want to do is going to take longer than you think. It's going to cost more. It's going to require more effort. It's going to be more frustrating. Yeah. And it will absolutely be worth it if you don't quit. Yeah. So just settle in for the long term. I believe that there might be this instant coffee microwave popcorn mindset that we've gotten in mm -hmm. that it's like if i haven't if i haven't retired by 28 with yeah. millions of dollars then there must be something wrong with me and yet there's nothing wrong with it taking three years instead of two or 13 years instead of 10. yeah so how do you define success like personally for you what is success um Gosh, I I just choose to be happy, right? So success to me is am I am I doing what I love? Yes, am I surrounded by people and animals that I love? Am mm. I doing things that I love? Yes. Mm. But to me, it's not like I think there's a when I get somewhere then I'll be happy. Yeah. Right. There's this. Oh, but when I have this and I was explaining this to someone the other night, I have a, I had a very good friend of mine who said, we're going to go to breakfast. We go to breakfast. I go to breakfast. They don't show up at breakfast. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I text. I was like, do you want me to order you something? Are you running late? Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Uh -huh. I had a little too much fun last night. And then I happened to run into them later in the yeah. day. Yeah. Big hug. I love you. Really? You're not upset? I said, look, I have a rule. My rule is I make it really easy to feel good and really hard to feel bad. <laughs> it's a good rule. It's a good yeah. rule, right? Yeah. That's how I define success. I'm happy. Yeah. If I'm happy, then I'm successful. And I make it really hard to feel like I'm not successful. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are like, well, if I sold a thousand books yesterday, then I have to sell 1,100 books today. Otherwise, I'm not a successful. It's like, did I sell a book today? Did I give a book away for free and someone read it? That to me is success. Mm. I'm, I'm probably a weirdo. You probably don't hear that very much. But that is my true, that is my true definition of success. It's yeah. like I live life on my own terms and mm. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm married to someone who's amazing. I have a mm. wonderful daughter. No, and and I, don't, I didn't say perfect, <laughs> right? So yeah. there's that, right? Just, you know, just to be clear, 
it's, it's not all sunshine and roses. I have a chocolate lab who I love and is wonderful. And right in the middle of typing a sentence in my book, she will knock on the back door because she's ready to go out. Yeah. So, right? I love yeah. you. And your timing is awful, right? It's, you just do what you got to do. Right. They're not always there to serve your happiness. Oh, no, no. No, but boy, when I come, I told my daughter, I said, you better start acting like the dog when I come home. She <laughs> go to the mailbox and I come back and she's losing her mind with happiness. Like, mm. Never in 20 years have you greeted me, but you, you should take a lesson from the dog. I <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't find that as funny as I did. I don't know why. But. <laughs> 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 I thought it was great. Sense of humor may be helpful. In, yeah, in, in, yeah, in, having a sense of humor, yeah. being able to laugh at yourself, being able to laugh at situations, being able to find the, the, the good. So that to me is successful. It's not traditional. It's not about dollars and cents. and. No, because, you, because that doesn't, how many rich people have you ever heard of that are really unhappy? Sure, sure. And how many poor people are so happy they can hardly stand it? Right? If you go to if you go to different parts of the world where money is you know, money is a, and not even the goal, it's like the meal. The next yeah. meal would be the goal, mm. right? So it's like that. It's nothing external. I think factors into happiness. Mm. I think people just project. Well, I'm not happy because I'm not in a relationship. Well, then you get into a relationship. I don't know. Yeah. Not yeah. all relationships are happily ever afters, everybody. So maybe enjoy the quiet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Just maybe. Just maybe enjoy the quiet. Yeah, I don't I don't think I really figured it out until I realized that what mattered to me was was I aligned with my values and intentions and did I even have any intentions that mm. I was aware of? And I know personally I was part of my journey when I realized that hey if I'm just making choices based on this set of little list of intentions, then I'm going to be sustainably happy regardless of the outcome. Right. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you, you get lucky or you get successful or time or two, uh, at least personal experience. Yes. You realize yes. it's a very... Fleeting. Fleet. Yes, that's exactly the word. Like, okay, now yeah. what? Like, I did it. Somebody celebrate quick. Like, I better celebrate. But then... Now I just want to do it again, right? It's the or thing I don't. you want. I want the thing, right? I want the thing. Yeah, well, and I get and, the thing, and then the thing. I mean, I. Yeah, but then I realized, hey, the process was the part that I enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, who I became in the process. Yeah, and I want more of that. It's like that became success, and it's like, how do I have this all the time instead of like this boom and bust cycle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So since this is the fearless storyteller and you write nonfiction, I, I think this is an important question to ask is, how, what do you think the role of storytelling is in writing nonfiction? Oh, I think it's a big, a big component because the non, a nonfiction book's purpose is to help people to gain pleasure or avoid pain or both. Mm. So capitalize on an opportunity or um, avoid a pitfall. Yeah. And the only way to convey your expertise and your knowledge is by sharing your story mm. and by sharing your story authenticity, uh, authentically. And I learned that 
lesson when when I first started writing books, I didn't really think anyone was ever going to read them. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give this over to an editor and they're going to say, okay, we'll take that out. <laughs> and that didn't happen. Hmm. What ended up happening was people liked my books because they said, I can hear you talking. It's like having hmm. a cup of coffee with you in book format. Right. When I'm reading your words, I know that you wrote them <laughs> because it's just like you're talking. Yeah. I was like, you like that? Yes, I like that. Oh, all right. But yeah. because I didn't think anyone was going to read what I wrote, I was really authentic. Mm. So you started off that way? You I just put yourself all, all in? I did because yeah. I was no one's going to read it. So who cares? This is me just writing. And mm. had I known, in retrospect, had I known, I would still do it because I know that it's the most effective way. Mm. but I wouldn't have done it if I'd known somebody was going to read it because I would have been embarrassed or reticent to share so right. much of my personal right. stuff. And so, you know, just a quick like mini craft question here. Like, yeah, sure. Like in fiction, we have like the, the hero's journey. Oftentimes it's not the yes. only way to write a, a story that's interesting or engaging, but like, so if you're using storytelling and you're telling your story in a nonfiction book, is there like some sort of craft around that? Like some sort of commonality or some way to boil it down to, hey, my story is going to be more accessible if I think about it this way? I'm sure there is. I don't have one. So you just, you just, <laughs> you just roll with it, yeah? I just rolled with it. I just intuitively wrote. Yeah. And wrote to wrote too much before I found out that there was craft. <laughs> mm. I know that sounds awful. Not, um, not to me. It might have okay. been okay. else, but I get it. I had this journey in songwriting, so I, I get okay. it. Okay. Yes. So it's like, I'm sure there's a formula. Yeah. As someone who is writing fiction for the first time, I finally just, after studying some craft, because I thought, mm. oh, okay, now I know what to do now, right? Mm. Over, it's uh, under the category of overthinking. Yeah. Um, and I called some of my successful writer friends and I said, okay, so what do you do? And I'm like, I don't do any of that. I just yeah. write it. Yeah. At the end of the day, like you just get out of your own way, stop overthinking it and just start writing. Oh, I, like, all right. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so how has the experience of writing fiction been different or the same for you so far? It's much more fun. Hmm. Mm. That sounds fun. like a sounds like a huge keyword that could sway yeah. your future. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm I'm out of nonfiction projects. I don't have any nonfiction mm. projects. I just have fiction. I'm mm. where I used to be with nonfiction, where I'd have just a list of books to write. Mm. I knew what I was going to write for the whole year or two years, and now I don't. I just have a list of fiction to write, and I'm having such a good time. It is so fun. That that's really exciting yeah. to hear. Yeah. 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 Is there anything you want to talk about with that? What you're doing? Or oh, sure. So I'm writing a um, thriller, mystery thriller series set in Nashville, where I live, where I've okay. lived for about a year and a half. Yeah. And I came up with a character, um, and then a so I I guess that would be the protagonist, and then I came up with the antagonist, and I learned what those words meant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And then I 
um, through uh, asking a question. So I have a, a, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. So I asked uh, the chief of police who's in my rotary if he had a detective I could consult with. And he introduced me to this lovely gentleman who's been a detective for 33 years. Hmm. And um, he consults with me on his character in the yeah. book, which is really fun. Yeah. And uh, I'm having a good time. Mm. I'm learning the city and I'm writing fiction and yeah. 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 It's just, I, it's just a, it's a good, it's a good time. So wouldn't it be ironic if people were listening like, Hey, I need to learn how to write nonfiction book and then get to the punchline. Honoré is having a lot more fun doing fiction. <laughs> well, the purpose is different. Right. Nonfiction okay. has I'm a, glad you mentioned that word. Purpose. Yeah. Nonfiction yeah. has a it, fiction has a purpose and nonfiction has a purpose. Fiction <clears throat> yeah. has a purpose. I think of it just entertaining, mm. taking someone, you know, getting someone out of their, out of their head through their head. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause when I'm, when I'm reading a really good fiction book, I'll, that's all I want to do is read that book. Yeah. Nonfiction to me is not the same level of intensity. Sometimes it's the same level of, of ur- like I have urgency, like, oh, I want to get to the solution. Yeah. I want to capitalize on this opportunity or I want to avoid mistakes. Yeah. When I'm reading a fiction story, it's like I get to go to a different place and I'm picturing these characters in my head and having a good time. Yeah. I'm constantly still reading because I love to read. But it's different. And, and just to be fair, I loved writing nonfiction. I had a yeah. really good time writing fiction, nonfiction. I don't think that I ever used the word fun. Mm. Mm. It was fulfilling, but yeah. it wasn't fun. Right. And there is nothing, just to kind of, you know, be in defense of my nonfiction, um, there is nothing that I have encountered so far. Now, also, I haven't published my first fiction book, but I don't think it's going to be the same. There is... N- nothing more fulfilling than having an email come to your inbox or a package or letter come to your mailbox where someone has sat down and poured their heart out yeah. about how your book impacted their life. Yeah. That, that is, that happens. Yeah. That happens. And when it happens, it's humbling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I so love, that hear, is why I love hearing write. from readers. It's like, it's like, if I'm burned out, that's going to like clear the cobwebs pretty quickly. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. And also it got me out of the, how many books did I sell? How, it got me out of the data. Like I, mm. I keep track of data because I say to people, you know, keep track of data because that's important when someone, mm. I, some, somebody was being snarky to somebody and he said what do you do and i said oh i'm a writer what do you write i write books he's like oh have you ever been a bestseller <laughs> and I was like, actually yes because he meant it like oh you and everybody yeah, <laughs> yeah. You and everybody. actually yes yes no, i think i think we've I gotten think away good. i think we've yeah. gotten away so far without mentioning that you've written on the miracle morning book series so far Right. Like, oh, sure. Yes. Really? But I'm just saying like a random stranger, right, was being yeah. kind of like snarky. So looking for that like, well, feather in the cap. Yeah. Yeah. If someone's like, well, let me put you in your place because oh, you're just a writer. OK, sure. Right. It's like, OK, hold on. Easy, buddy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Usually, usually when I get the question, have you re- written a book? It's like, well, have you written anything I've heard of? Right. Like, yes. 
Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yes. Have you written any? And I was like, I don't know. What, what do you write uh-huh. about? Oh, I write about everything. I don't know. I don't like to talk about it. So yeah, I, sometimes I just say I, I drive the Zamboni <laughs> at the hockey rink just to avoid the conversation. Well, um, hey, yeah. That's, so, anyway. I have a couple of listener questions. Okay. You. Wonderful. And I, I think, I think it's only fair to lead with one of them from somebody you might've heard of. Um, okay as it happens. So I have a question from Patrick J. O'Donnell, author of Cops and Writers. Um, Yes, I read that book. Yay. Yes. Hi, Patrick J. O'Donnell. I'm I'm in the Patrick J. O'Donnell fan club. Thank you very much. I know, me too. He's got a great resource. So he has a question, which is, and I don't know, it sounds like a can of worms question, but but since you have context of what he's written and what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. He asks, uh, what's your best advice for marketing nonfiction books? Oh, gosh. Well, that is a can of worms question because my best marketing advice requires questions to the author. Mm. So in order to give my best advice, I always have to turn the tables and say, what is your outcome? What do you want to do? Because I can and I can give two answers if that would be helpful. If someone wants to position themselves as an expert and they are in the a kind of business that they can receive referrals, yes, then giving away their book, in other words, providing their book to people who can send them referrals, mm-hmm. is the best marketing there is. Right. Because when someone says, do you know an expert in... Um, graphic design. And I say, I do. And actually I have a copy of their book. It's right here. Let me give it to you. And it has their confirmation, their uh, contact information. It's like, wow, that's amazing. Right. Right. And so if you're wanting to, yeah. So if Pat's going, if Pat's going to make more money from helping writers by consulting, helping them during the consulting phase, that Mm -hmm. would be your advice then to I would say find author coaches, find people who help authors. So find people who do author media coaching or, or author PR or author um, social media Mm -hmm. and give them copies of the book and say, I know you do this type of consulting. I do this type of consulting. Perhaps Mm -hmm. we can refer business to each other. Because referral business from, you know, from a a different life, when I was an executive coach, referral business is the best business to get. Whenever someone says, so-and-so referred me to you, there is almost always money that follows. Because I don't have to prove that I'm good. The referring person did that for me. Right. They're probably already ready to hire you at that point. They are. Basically, don't drool on yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Be authentic and don't drool unless you authentically drool. Then go ahead and do that. <laughs> it's part of your. It's part of your brand. It's part of your brand. If drooling is part of your brand, then drool, right? You knock <laughs> yourself out. Cool. So there's I, that. I have yeah. a I have a question from David J. Pfeiffer. Okay. Who, who's also an author. He writes fiction, um, but he was he's he's read at least one of your books around habits. Okay. So he wanted to know if there was one morning habit in particular that's impacted you more than any others. 
<laughs> okay. As far well, as as far the funny as, one, yeah, yeah. The funny one Good. is coffee. I didn't drink coffee until about three years ago. <laughs> a pro coffee story. A pro coffee story. They are magic beans. They are magic <laughs> beans. Everyone. So, mm. so that's the funny one. Um, mm. The the morning habit that I think has impacted me the most has been my daily yoga habit. I do mm. yoga for ten minutes every day. Mm-hmm. At least more if I can squeeze it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has, I think yoga uh, is considered the fountain of youth. Mm. And it takes me about 10 minutes to not quit doing it mm. when I do it. But then when I do it, I feel like it unlocks something. It unlocks energy, so chi, creativity, mm. those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. And also then there's the, the miracle morning stuff, right? Which is yeah. all of uh, everything I just said, like coffee isn't a miracle morning habit. Water is supposed to be what you drink, but that right. <laughs> so, you use water to make coffee. That's right. what I'm going to say. Um, and if but, I were to, if I were to interview your clients, like poll like a thousand of your clients and former clients, is there sure. one habit that you've noticed or heard reflected back that really helped them? Um, scheduling, around. scheduling, yeah. pre-scheduling. Mm. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I think people think that I am militant, that I'm too scheduled, mm-hmm. that I have, like I send my family a screenshot of my schedule every day so they'll know what I'm doing and when yeah. and where I'll be. And I'm always, my schedule is always determined in advance. Yeah. And the structure sets me free. And that's mm. what I tell my clients. The structure sets you free. Yes. So even if the structure includes, and I'm not admitting to anything, but if the structure were to include an, a midday nap time, mm. just saying, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you could schedule for example, that. For example, yeah. um, I do. I, I take a break. Yeah. And I have lunch and I take a little disco nap. And nice. that sleep is a success strategy. So getting enough rest is part of that whole process. And right. so I do that. So I rest. Unless I have a lunch meeting, which I do on Mondays, I tend to take a rest sometime midday. Nice. Well, around sounds, the same time. We're getting, we're getting like four or five awesome habits. Right yes. Now. But I think, but they all kind of yeah. go together. And I think if we want to just call the habit self-care. Yeah. Become self full, not selfish, but self-full. Yeah. When you are full, you are able to give to others. Right. So if you talk to all of my clients, they would say, what I got from Honoré was not what I expected to get. Mm. The advice that I got was not what I expected to get. I expected to get strategy and tactics. And what I got were gems. Mm. Like self-compassion, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think about the author battery a lot. And and like you, you do your best work when you're fully charged, right? And if you're always running on empty, it can't be fun and it can't be your best work. And no, it, it would be no. a business liability at that point if you weren't doing your best work. Correct. Well, and also if you are, <laughs> I always say if I'm, if I'm sleepy or tired, hmm. if I haven't meditated, exercised, eaten, or hydrated, come back later. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me, those are things I need to handle. Yeah. 
Those yes. are good. So for people who want to find you, Honoré, how can they do that? I'm not hard to find. <laughs> um, HonoréQuarter.com is my website, and I am at Honoré on all social media. Right. But if they and want a free book, they can go to HonoréQuarter.com forward slash writers. Great. And that's with two E's in the Honoré, right? Two E's in the Honoré, yes. Yep. yep. Great. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking, chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. I feel like I now want to ask you a whole bunch of questions. Yay. Well, that's Yeah. yeah. I good just need a podcast, which I don't have, right? Well, we can talk about that. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover the Fearless Storyteller podcast.